0: Broadcasting to Harry Potter fans around the world for more than 11 years. Join Terrence Pinkston, Bailey Riddle, Luke Hogan, Gretchen Rush, and Alex Lohman as they take the wizarding world by storm. This is Hogwarts Radio. Stay classy, Hogwarts. This is Hogwarts Radio, episode 256 for November 10, 2019. Hogwarts Radio is the official podcast for Wizarding News from HP a discussing all things Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, and the rest of the Wizarding World. For the quickest up-to-date news on the franchise, make sure you check out Wizarding.news. Welcome to episode 256 of Hogwarts Radio. I'm Terrence Pinkston. I'm Bailey Riddle. And I'm Gretchen Rush.
1: Hogwarts Radio can be found anywhere you get your podcasts online. It doesn't matter where you listen. Just be sure to click subscribe and you'll have a new episode as soon as it's released.
0: Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to get in on fun with other listeners and fans of the series.
1: Finally, join the Unfoundables on Patreon and get Unfound today. For more information, visit patreon.com unfoundables.
0: This week's episode is brought to you by Unfoundable Megan. So I was watching The Wizard of Oz the other night and was wondering why wizards and witches don't send notices to each other via the skywriting like the Wicked Witch of the West did in that movie it was
1: like a huge violation of the statute of secrecy that's exactly what i was thinking
0: <laughs> i was not thinking that at all
1: like i'm sure it would be effective if you saw it but like anyone else could too
0: i mean could uh, theoretically you could put a charm on it to make it available to for only eyes of witches and wizards, right? Or how would you be able to determine that? I I, I don't know. It's just something that popped into my head, and that's yeah. why they didn't do it. I guess you guys pretty much tied that up.
1: I, I don't think, like, even with the Quidditch World Cup and there's the charm that makes muggles want to turn away when they come close, like, I don't think that would really work for skywriting because how do you avert someone's eyes from the sky that's just right there, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you uh, you could, I mean, theoretically, like, if somebody wanted to look up at the sky, they would just, like, get a sudden urge to look down at their feet.
1: That would be sad. <laughs> I mean, people... Be, be a lot, lot of, of people walking around just staring at their feet all the time, then.
0: <laughs> well, don't we do that anyway? I mean, <laughs> with true. our phones and everything, right? <laughs> but that's a choice. <laughs> that's true. So, well, some for some it is, <laughs> I guess. Anyway, it's glad uh, we're we're glad to be back this week uh, for another fun-filled episode. And Gretchers, it is glad uh, we're glad to see you again.
1: <laughs> I am very glad to be here. Feels like I never left. Feels like I never left you guys. I saw you what a month ago.
0: Well, yeah, but it feels like you've been gone longer than that. <laughs> no, feels oh. like
1: I never left.
0: Okay. <laughs> so I was thinking. Let me get let me get the wheels of uh, <coughs> of thought turning. Yeah, you here. know you get into trouble when you do that, right? Yeah, I know, I know. Though, <laughs> Lefu, I'm afraid I've been thinking. He's <laughs> like a <"The> dangerous pastime. <laughs> it's like I know. <laughs> so, do witches and wizards have daylight savings time? What do you guys think? I mean, I would I would imagine so.
1: I think they have to operate in the time zone of wherever they are stationed. So if where they live has daylight savings, then yes. I don't think they can have their own time because they do operate so much in the Muggle world. You mean wizard time isn't a thing? I don't think so. You could ask JKR, but... Yeah, no, I doubt that they don't follow daylight savings just because then it would get so confusing thinking about, you know, we're on non-daylight saving time but the rest of the world is so it's really an hour ahead or an hour behind or it just sounds like way too much thought going into this
0: so i'm thinking about this from like a fantastic beast standpoint from the timeline that that we're in right now with that part of the franchise and daylight savings time if i'm not mistaken wasn't introduced until after world war one um, so I can imagine the witches and wizards in uh, the United States using it, but I can't imagine the other parts of the world using it. I don't even know if other parts of the world have daylight savings if it's just the United States, but that's going to mess up like your, your internal clock a little bit. Uh, I mean, okay. So for me, a funny story going off on a tangent here, but, uh, earlier this week, you know, I, I, I caught the time change, you know, I, I was I was doing well with it, um, and then Tuesday rolls around, and my phone, which I use as my alarm clock and just clock in general, um, said uh, I, I set the alarm right, and it, it I set it for seven a.m. and uh, it goes off, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, time to get up. I check my phone; it was seven a.m. I shut the alarm off. I went, you know, about my day um, or about my morning you know, making my coffee, getting ready for work and all that other stuff. And I come back an hour later, feels like an hour later, and the time said 6.38 a.m. And so I was I was thrown off because I don't leave work until 8.30 um, or 7.30 or whenever I have to go in for that particular shift. But um, that was a little bit troubling to me. I don't know where I was going with this story, but I just felt like I had to share it.
1: I mean, you probably just set your alarm for the wrong time,
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, See, I thought that too. I thought that too, but I, I, I swear to God, I never set my alarm earlier than what it's supposed to be. Like, that's one of the last things I do before I go to bed. Or I'll have Siri set it. Maybe Siri had a bug, a daylight savings bug. So I'll usually say, hey, shlomo. Set an alarm for 6:30 a.m. and it'll confirm. Okay, your alarm has been set for 6:30 a.m. I don't know. Again,
1: blame the nargles. Yep,
0: it was. It was the nargle within uh, within my phone. Anyway, that was. (laughs) I just felt like I had to share that. But yeah, that was an interesting thought. If witches, witches, and wizards use daylight savings time. Okay, let's talk about theme songs for characters cuz this was really popular a couple of episodes ago. Um, we did, I believe we did Cho Chang and uh, I think the song that we chose for her was Skater Boy. <laughs> it was just yeah, <laughs> it was awful. Awful for Cho. But this week let's uh pick a song for Lavender Brown. What do you guys think?
1: I got one. Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick
0: Astley. Oh. <laughs> Never gonna give you me- up. I I also also have another one here. (laughs) 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 Of course, Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. Now I have uh, Rick Astley and Lady Gaga stuck in Gretchen's head over there. That's an interesting combination.
1: I'd like to see that mashup. Never gonna give
0: you... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Never gonna give a bad romance. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where the hell I'm coming with that. Okay, anyway. All right, good songs, guys. Let's uh, let's turn to the smells of Hogwarts. It's been a while since we've kind of taken that in. Uh, Let's talk about what Snape's Potions Dungeon would smell like. So Bailey has uh, Bailey has a thought on this, and it's greasy hair, but Bailey, what does greasy hair smell like?
1: Um, it's just unclean. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I just, there was this girl I went to school with, and, and you could tell that her hair was not the cleanest, and that is the smell that I imagine Snape's dungeon smelling
0: like. Do we imagine, I mean, uh, aside from Snape's, appearance do we imagine that the dungeons were a dingy place or can we say that they they smell good because he kept his doors clean and everything like that or do we just imagine like mothballs and mold as a smell of the dungeons <laughs>
1: well, i mean it is like the dungeons so i feel like it would not be the driest place to have a class especially a class that involves wet ingredients and i also just don't really understand how the dungeon could smell like anything but just utter chaos because you have so many different potions going on and like he has back-to-back classes of different kids making different potions messing up those potions burning themselves making something disgusting like that's gonna smell terrible he must have no sense of smell it must smell like a home ec classroom or like sometimes it smells really good because everyone did a great job and sometimes it smells like burnt hair and like dyeing things in the oven.
0: <laughs> it, it just, uh, <laughs> it, you, you just kind of brought up this, <laughs> this vividness that I have of Mike from Potterless going, for, God, Snape, for God's sake, Snape teaches cooking. <laughs>
1: Exactly. And those smells could go either way.
0: Yeah.
1: You're just making stew. Yep. Well,
0: okay, so magic can be used to kind of clear the air. Sure. I don't imagine, like, the dungeons would have that kind of rank, kind of medieval smell to them. Um, But I I don't imagine that they would be a very pleasant place to go sniffing around, you know? Imagine what Muddy Myrtle's bathroom smells like. I mean, nobody's been in there in years.
1: It probably doesn't smell like much because no one seems to use it. Right.
0: <laughs> That's true. Very true.
1: That'd be the bathroom to go
0: use when you need some alone time. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody ever goes in there. <laughs> Why not? Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> Who? Moaning Myrtle. Who's Moaning, moaning Myrtle? I'm Moaning
1: Myrtle. <laughs> Just imagine, like, you're a first year and you've never heard the stories of Moaning Myrtle. And you go into the restroom, and you're sitting there doing your business, and all of a sudden she just pops up out of nowhere and says, hello.
0: That would be some scary shit, literally.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, that would probably scare the shit out of
0: you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. All right, a couple of news stories to get to. Emma Watson had a recent interview with Vogue where she talks about little women um, being single, where she calls uh, self-partnered. That's awesome she says she loves being single um and hey if you love yourself then that's the way to go a self partner that's uh, nobody can break your heart <laughs> um but it's a wonderful interview we invite you to go check it out over on MuggleMet. and uh it's actually one of the one of the most what she hasn't given like an interview in 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 a, a while um i feel like
1: yeah i can't remember the last time she had a big project like this and It makes sense that this is coming out now because Little Women comes out for Christmas. Um, I'm really excited to see it. I love the first movie. That's a classic. Um, And it's a great story. So I can't wait to see this new one with her in it. But yeah, I don't think we've had a lot from her lately since like Beauty and the Beast, which was a few years ago. So it's nice to see her giving these interviews and talking about getting older and what it's like to be approaching 30 and being single. And she's just so awesome.
0: Okay, very cool. So We've got a little bit of Fantastic Beast 3 news coming out of the pipeline. And Gretchers, this has to be an exciting time of the year for you.
1: Yeah, so it's cool to get this new insight into what's happening with Fantastic Beast 3. So they did confirm a lot of things that we had already been speculating about. They confirmed that the movie is going to be set in Rio de Janeiro, mm-hmm. which we had spent a lot of time theorizing about that based on like JKR's Twitter and. Uh, tweet that she sent out a couple of years ago so it's cool to know that we were right um, and then there's an interesting article with variety so they talked with a senior box office analyst and he kind of gave some thoughts on what he thinks they could do to make the third movie better which he believes is taking it back to hogwarts more so he says, if you look at what worked with Crimes of Grindelwald, it was when they went back to Hogwarts. There were audible gasps from the audience. People loved seeing Jude Law as Dumbledore. Hopefully, J.K. and the writers realize that just because the movie is set in Brazil doesn't mean we can't spend half the time at Hogwarts. There are things they could do to save the movie. So he really is going hard for this. They need to do something to save this series. And he thinks that bringing it back to Hogwarts is a good step in that direction
0: that that's interesting um because you know hogwarts we identify i mean the harry potter generation identifies with hogwarts as home so I, i mean i think that's a great step in the right direction gretchen you said something just now that i kind of uh wanted to dig into a little bit and you said jk rowling and the writers the other writers so uh, has it been confirmed that she's getting help with with completing the script? I mean what so that's when, a that's a big yeah. a big thing to uncover.
1: Absolutely. So when they announced this was kind of it was sneaky. So they announced they're like, "Oh, pre-production has begun, filming has begun and you know, we're going to be in Rio." Woohoo. And then they're like, "The movie will be directed by David Yates with screenplay by J.K. Rowling and Steve Kloves. So they kind of snuck it in this bit at the end of the article, but it was brand new information. We did not know that Steve Kloves, who wrote the screenplay for seven of the original eight Harry Potter movies, is now going to be writing Fantastic Beasts 3 with J.K. Rowling. So that box office analyst, he gave an interesting quote about it. He said, "Adding Steve Cloves is the first good step they've made since Crimes of Grindelwald. I suspect bringing him in will bring in more mythology from Harry Potter into Fantastic Beasts. That's why you'd hire someone like that. He has a lot of knowledge and is trusted by J.K. Rowling to bridge that gap. They need to lead this into a new direction."
0: Okay, so we were led the entire time of the Fantastic Beasts franchise. We're, we're led to be um, we're led to believe that J.K. Rowling is writing the script now. Do we think that they're bringing Steve Cloves in, not just, you know, to kind of uh, assist with the writing, but because Warner Brothers has lost faith in J.K. Rowling a little bit and they want to bring in somebody that will help her get back on the right track? Or is it that uh, they don't want another box office flop from this franchise? Like, what, what are, what are some of the thoughts that are going through people's heads right now?
1: I mean, J.K. obviously writes great source material, but clearly with Crimes of Grindelwald, for the greater audience of people watching it, it didn't translate well on screen into her script. So perhaps she's kind of doing like the rough past pages on this script, and then Steve Cloves is going through and kind of fine-tuning and really taking his
0: eye for what works well on screen and making her vision a reality. Gretchen, are you excited that Steve Kloves is back in the mix?
1: I'm thrilled. I absolutely love him. I can't honestly believe that he wasn't attached to this series from the start. Um, He clearly a great success with the Potter films. He only didn't write one of them and it was order of the Phoenix. And I think we can all agree that that film was garbage. So (laughs) I am so glad that he is attached to this. And I think it could be like Bailey said, where it is, he's doing more of the nitty gritty dialogue and he's really writing the details of the script and bringing his deep, deep knowledge of the series and his great collaboration with Joe to something that needs a bit of a lift. It, the second one was not well received. They need a bit of a lift, and bringing in someone who has seven movies of excellent, excellent experience is a great way to put more faith back into the series
0: So what does this studio have to do in order to fill seats at the theater? like what do they have to, what are some of the things that they have to avoid? I mean because there were a lot of, there were just there was so much controversy surrounding crimes of Grindelwald uh, in in various. Areas. I mean, all the way from Johnny Depp to, you know, uh, David Yates uh, interviewing and saying stuff that he shouldn't and, and and things like that. I mean, what what are they going to have to do in order to kind of restore faith in in the fans? I mean, bringing Steve Jobs in for for one is that yes, that's a good first step. But is there anything else that you guys can think of off the top of your head?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good first start, but it's definitely kind of a, a deep cut, if you will. Only the really hardcore fans, people like us and those listening to the podcast, will really recognize that name. Um so that's a good first step, but yeah, they'll have to do more. I think David Yates should not be giving interviews. Or if he is, maybe he should be um <laughs> they should be balanced. <laughs> yeah. Stick to your talking points that you've been given by your publicist, maybe. Um maybe the third movie doesn't have as much Grindelwald. I mean, the second movie had his name in the title. So it was inevitable. But maybe Mm -hmm. the third one, we can focus more on the characters that we fell in love with in the first place. And I also don't really agree with this box office analyst saying that there should be more Hogwarts in the third movie. I don't think more Hogwarts is going to bring people in at this point. The second movie... All those trailers really focus on the fact that we were going back to Hogwarts. They hit that really hard. So it's kind of played out. They did it already. I don't think if they hit it hard again for the third film, people will be drawn in by that. They need to show us that they're going to take these characters to new places. They're going to give us something we haven't seen already. They're going to put them in a new experience and a new setting. Um, so it's got to be something exciting, something that's going to get us Really really amped about the story and the characters
0: well, I think incorporating a healthy balance of Hogwarts in that is going to be key. I mean people want to see Hogwarts they want to see the substance of Hogwarts they want to go on those adventures in the castle if you have to go back and revisit you know some of the places where you might have uh, uh, that we might have gone in in the Potter series or dive into Even into like some of the uh, storylines, like finding out that Hagrid had got had received Aragog or something like that, like a little Easter egg like that would be uh, Mm -hmm. would just really get fans incredibly excited. Even if we were to see Hagrid in the trailer, now I'm not saying I want to see all Hagrid all the time, but I want to see like kind of those small things that we know exist in that particular part of the timeline. Um, also, I want to see like Quidditch and I want to see, you know, be it Hogwarts Quidditch or professional Quidditch or, you know, o- other things like that. Just bring back mm. the familiarness of the, the the Potter franchise, not saying bring it all back. No, but bring back what's familiar to the fans. And I feel like that's how you're going to get them back into the seats.
1: I feel like it would be so cool if they did like a professional Quidditch game or even like a Quidditch World Cup that takes place in Rio would be really neat to kind of tie that in. Um, Also, I think they might do well if they brought in some big name people that are fan favorites outside of the franchise, like some huge celebrity that people already love and adore and they know they're going to go see it regardless of
0: whatever it is. They just want to see... This person, whoever that may be. Like Patrick Stewart or something like that. Bring him in. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, someone
1: in a completely unrelated, but that is just loved by all of
0: their fans. Now I really want to see Patrick Stewart at Hogwarts.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, I'm not saying like bring Jennifer Lawrence into this. No. But
0: I would be a fan. I (laughs) mean, what? Yeah, okay. No, I I can see where you're going with that. I don't know. Just bring uh, the, the. the whole point of this like bring back something that's gonna like re-spark the the the, the excitement of, of fans you know mm-hmm. be it a character an actor a, an event that we know happened something
1: and the other thing that confuses me is that we know jessica williams character is going to feature more in this film and she plays an ilvermorny professor so how can we have more hogwarts plus ilvermorny plus we're in rio de janeiro and somehow continuing the main plot line of Grindelwald. I just can't fathom how this is going to be a comprehensible story.
0: I, I, I see where you're going with that. And that line of thought really scares me because I don't want it to be a conglomerate of information that we got in of, of Crimes of Grindelwald. I don't want it to be another overload, another... Like, oh, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, who's this? Okay, this person died. Okay, this person's now bad. Like, I, I don't want that to happen. I want it to be very, very simple. But that scares the hell out of me, Gretchen, that you just said yeah, that. Yeah,
1: because I think they will, they will lose people if it's not a clear-cut story. And it's already not a clear-cut story. I think the thing that Harry Potter had as a series is that each book was an individual arc over a school year. It was very cut and dry. You knew what you were getting into. You knew that come the the exams in May, Harry was going to face down Voldemort, and then he was going to succeed. he was going to go back home for the summer, and he was going to do it all again next year. We have no idea what's happening with this story. It's not a very clear arc. I wouldn't even say that there was, like, any sort of arc in the second movie at all. Uh, Like, it was kind of just, like middle. There was a lot of middle. I don't know that there was really a lot of up or down. So it's hard when you are you don't have the source material and you don't have those very clear stories that make excellent movies because that was what Harry Potter had was books that translated very well to a standalone film that also tied together.
0: It, it, exactly. And I like where you're going with that because I can already kind of picture this um, as kind of the, the way that it's being written um, and the way that JK Rowling likes to write her her stories and the way that she wrote the Harry Potter novels was uh, part of a ring composition so the first uh, lined up with the seventh the second the sixth the third the fifth and mm-hmm. then the fourth was the middle right it was it was the middle where um, you had like a major event kind of take place and then that really set the pace for the remaining the remaining uh, books. So I, I wonder if we already know there's going to be five films. This is, this is going to be the middle. And it's, it, it has to, like, we're going to be left with a major cliffhanger. Um, we're going to be that a death or or some or, or something. Some, some major plot event is going to happen. And then that's going to set the pace for movie four and movie five, but what what they need to do for this movie is they need to watch their pacing, because if we get too much information, well, you're not going to have people return for movies four and movie five um, after they've already, you know, disappointed them with movie two. Movie three is going to be that, that movie where you have to kind of rope the audience back in, and that's what I think that they're looking to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Plus, if we're comparing and trying to hit the same points that some of the Potter films did, this is basically the movie f- four yes. of Harry Potter. Exactly. So you've got to hit that like perfect high point. Something huge is going to happen in this
0: movie. Or at least it needs to. It's very interesting to think about. <laughs> we're gonna have to dig we're gonna have to spend like another whole episode on the ring composition theory of the Harry Potter series, and then kind of really dig into that with the Fantastic Beast franchise, because I th- I think we're on to something with that. Um, that's going to be a fascinating subject. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Wizarding World Gold, and out of all of us, I believe Gretchen might be the only one who has a subscription. Am I- false. False. Yeah, Bailey has it. Bailey has it. Okay. All right. So, uh, kind of... Give us a high-level overview um, and if the amount is actually worth it.
1: Well, I don't know about you, Bailey, but um, so far the amount's not worth it. But it's not saying much because the subscription hasn't actually launched yet. So what happens is you pay the $75, you get your welcome gift, which is the nice, cute little journal that's personalized, which is fun. You get your gorgeous little key pin. And then your postcard-sized print of J.K. Rowling's Hogwarts sketch, which is all well and good, but I've now paid $75 for three small items. So I am kind of just waiting. I thought that maybe more things had rolled out by now because it said fall of 2019, and I feel like, you know, fall is very close to ending. We're we're very almost in winter. (laughs) We're very almost there. It's literally snowing where I am now, and I know the official start of winter is not for a bit, but... We are getting down to the wire there. So I just am curious, more than curious, I'm like anxious to see what else I'm going to get for my $75 because uh, maybe I should have waited to see what was going to be rolled out with this description. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know about you. I know the, the journal it comes with, there's something to interact with in the app every single month. You scan the key, and it'll show you something in the app. I have not taken a look at November's surprise yet, um, just because I put the book on my shelf and kind of forgot that it was sitting there, and lo and behold, it's November now. Um, But when I got the book, it was still October, and there was nothing to go through and scan, because it specifically says, you know, don't try to go ahead into um, future months, because you're not going to be able to see anything until it's actually the month that corresponds
0: to the key you're trying to look at so nothing really big yet um any no. any any additional like content any Any substance to the series? Well, let me go
1: grab my journal and I'll take a look at what November has to offer. (laughs) Yeah, please let us know because I also haven't looked at November. But no, so far, I mean, that is what it's supposed to be is that you can scan those little keys in your journal to get some bonus content. Mm -hmm. Um, I also thought maybe we would have special access in the app to some additional content. Um, But so far... Although I never opened the app, but last I checked, there was nothing extra there because you're also supposed to have access to all of the ebooks in the app, which I haven't seen yet. So Gretchen it probably doesn't come until it launches. <laughs> right. So I, what I think once it launches, we're going to have access to more things. But right now we're just kind of waiting. Yeah, because you click on your vault and it says coming soon. Cool. I'm really hoping that like this pre subscription period doesn't apply to part of the year that we've
0: subscribed for.
1: Yeah. Like, I want my year to start when I start getting content, and I don't count this journal as content. (laughs) No, I agree.
0: Your year's going to start in August of next year, (laughs) September. (laughs) All
1: right. I'm scanning my key. Let's see. I found a hidden secret Uh, it is a monster month. And it's got a picture of Newt's commander.
0: Because Newt's totally a monster, right?
1: Um, It looks like it is about Thestrals. Ooh. Ooh. They're called Thestrals. And there's a video about how in the films uh, they brought the Thestrals to life on screen. Cool. There's a couple quotes and there's a poll. So nothing crazy. And there's a, a very small article that basically just explains what's in this month's surprise.
0: Hmm. So, Gretchen, will you report on additional bonus content that you receive? Um, like, exclusive content. Like, let's say you learned something about a particular character. Are you going to report on that? And if you do, do you expect any blowback from Warner Brothers about it?
1: I don't know. We haven't officially talked about that, um, I imagine that anything that's in the gold is already going to be picked up by other outlets. So typically, if we see other people posting things that we think might be somewhat sensitive, we go for it. Because if it's already out there, it's already out there. Um So I think that would probably be our general rule of thumb for this. I also just can't imagine... And this may sound stupid because I signed up for it, but I can't imagine that we're going to get anything like mind blowing where I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I have to write an article about this. Like I feel like it's gonna be <laughs> fun stuff, like behind the scenes of the movie where you're like, Oh, that's cool. Like that's a fun little sneak peek for me, but it's not like I need to write a whole article about it. And you know, now that I've actually opened the app, I realized that I'm looking in the wrong tab and they do have the eBooks there. So under, I, was discuss- gonna say, I just saw those for the first time. That's that's yes. new. Cause this they were not there the last time I saw them. Yes. Yeah, so you scroll down in your discover tab and now it says gold exclusives and there's three sections. There's eBooks. So you have access to all of the Potter eBooks, just the main books, uh, the workshop, which includes uh, an episode with the graphic design team. And then it says more episodes are coming soon. And then from the archive, which it sounds like the featured thing in this section is that video that Bailey was just talking about. So, this I think is like more about bringing the films to life, looks like. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see.
0: I mean, next month, what you might get a podcast about it.
1: (laughs) I wonder. What uh what it does if you try and scan a future month? I've not tried that yet. Oh, honestly, I did I didn't try that. Yeah, no, I did try it and it just says, "Oops, nothing there." <laughs> it's very exciting.
0: So nothing nothing like, "Oh, you uh can't unlock this like charm or this something." not active yet. Yeah. That's something it. like that. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "It, oh, it had to be okay, something so I better." I did
1: one in December and it says, you found a hidden secret, but it's
0: not ready to reveal its secrets yet.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Be like "hominum revelio. <laughs> 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 Tell me your secrets. Very cool stuff. Um, okay, so I'm not entirely sold on Wizarding World Gold yet, but we'll just see half- what's what has to pop out in the next couple of months uh, for me to really get sucked into it I don't
1: yeah know. i'm kind of waiting to see one of the main reasons i signed up was because you get like discounts to stuff and i buy so much mm-hmm. potter stuff anyway so i'm hoping it's going to be discounts to like Loungefly or you know something i'm gonna use or Curse child tickets and then you also get like access to subscriber events which could be cool so i guess i'm waiting more to see like will there be physical perks with this, like things I can attend. And if that's not any good to me, then I'll end up canceling.
0: Well, speaking of Cursed Child, that's our final news story we'll be talking about today. And uh, it's not really something that we have to worry about per se, but it's something that we 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 need to address, um, and it's the declining revenue of the play. Um, and MuggleNet has the article, and in this article they said, uh, Cursed Child has made more money on Broadway than any play ever has, and it's run as a two-part production for more than a single person. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Two-part <laughs> production. <laughs> Good God. Two-part mm-hmm. production for more than a single season, which has never been done before. One year ago, it ne- it nearly... It grossed nearly $2 million a week. However, despite the play's ever-expanding geographical reach, the production has had to stretch in order to sell out every night, at least in New York, according to Forbes. Is it just people? Is the hype uh, not there anymore? What? Uh, why are they having such a hard time filling seats? Is that the price of the play?
1: Well, what's hilarious about this is that so it grossed two million dollars a week last year, and then this year it only grosses a million dollars a week. So I'm like, uh, okay.
0: Well, okay. Oh, I mean, my. it's still a good chunk of money. It really is. But the thing about like any kind of business model is you want to see growth, right? And of they course. and with a fifty percent decrease over LY, that's that's something to worry about. Um, yeah. And it's
1: clearly because they've cut their ticket prices in half. So they've changed like the 155 ticket is now down to $78. So when you cut your ticket prices in half, your grosses are going to be cut in half. So kind of like, there you go. But the fact that they had to cut their ticket prices in half is really the, the problem here in the question. I think it's because the play's been out for a couple of years now. It's in its second season on Broadway with its second cast. It's not the original cast anymore who came over from the West End in England, um, who were definitely a big draw for people who weren't able to go see that production in London. You've now got a year two cast, people who are not British, who are doing British accents. And I will say it's a tiny bit noticeable because that is the cast that I saw. And you now can go see it in other parts of the country. If you're living in California, you're going to go to the San Francisco show. You're not going to fly to New York to see it on Broadway. So there's more opportunities now to see it. And that's just going to naturally decline any sort of ticket sales for one location. Do we also think maybe the play itself is just a little too niche to have such a broad viewership of... New viewers. I can see for sure that there's going to be repeat people who are going to see it. I have a friend who lives in New York and she's probably seen it at least 20 times. Like she goes so often to go see Cursed Child, but I feel like maybe it's Harry Potter. It doesn't exactly cause people to want to go see it if they're not already interested. It's not like your typical Broadway play where it's going to be potentially
0: interesting to anyone and to add on that i mean we know there's a lot of controversy surrounding the official eighth story uh of 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 this uh franchise is it that people are too polarized and they do not care to see this play whatsoever
1: I'm not sure. I, I I bet there are people out there who refuse to see it just because maybe they read the script and hated it or they don't like the idea of an eighth show or they just don't have any interest in seeing a show instead of reading a book or watching a movie. I totally get that. Um, so I do think it could be that it just doesn't have as wide an audience as a movie and it's not necessarily going to grab people who come into town just to see a musical. They're going to go see like Lion King or Wicked. Sorry her child but (laughs) (laughs) when you've got a two-part show
0: (laughs) really the non harry potter fan is not going to know what's going on will they
1: no they're not going to know what's going on and they're not going to want to see two parts and buy two tickets they're like oh i'm in town for one day i'm going to go see two different shows or i'm going to see a show and go to up to the empire state building like you're just not really ever going to want to shell out double the ticket price to see two shows that you have to see both of them, or you're only getting half of the story.
0: <laughs> Can you imagine somebody? Yeah, I just bought part one. Yeah. I'll just give it a shot. Let's see what it is. And I bet people
1: like. do it. I bet people do it. <laughs> uh-uh. And then at the end, they're like, oh, maybe I should have seen part two. Oh,
0: why? <laughs> I can't
1: even imagine. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's gotta be some sort of like cliffhanger or just like, Oh, there happens next. <laughs> there is a cliffhanger. There's a huge cliffhanger. And, If you were only seeing part one, even if I had split it up, like if I had seen part one on Thursday and part two on Friday, even just those like 12 hours, I would have been like, oh, I can't wait to go back and see part two. That's how I'm seeing it is I see part one on a Thursday and part two on a Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Because the end of Act of part one really is very compelling. So I can't imagine being like, yeah, I'll see part one when I'm in town over the summer. And then maybe I'll see part two like next fall. <laughs> well, I'll let you know how it goes with a one night
0: difference.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll be fine. It'll keep you motivated for part two.
0: So the play is what, five and a half hours long all together. How does that compare with other plays that are around the area i mean there's not many many productions that are five hours long
1: no there's no productions right now that are five hours That's unheard of (laughs) no i mean angels in america is the only other show i can think of where it was told in two parts over two like two performances like this and it was about five hours long um and that was just revived recently but this like there's nothing else on broadway that is reaching this length of time, but if you only see one part, that is comparable to any other show. So, <laughs> you're seeing. I, mean, I could see, I could see people being frustrated that there's two parts. Like they have to pay for two tickets. They have to it, basically sit through like twice the content. It, it's a big time commitment to go see two parts of something.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, because I was in New York right after we left LeakyCon and. I mean, even though we were there for three days and we had the option to kind of go get tickets for this, it's like, well, do I really want to spend an almost an entire day in the theater? to see this show and my answer as big of a Harry Potter fan as I am was no I really want it. there's other stuff in the city that I would like to do since I'm not in this area of the country all the time
1: yeah I think there are a lot of different factors but the interesting thing that Zoe brought up in this article on MuggleNet is that there are also other parts of the fandom that are losing money as well wizards unite hasn't done anywhere near as well as they expected it to obviously crimes of grindelwald like we've been talking about did not do as well as they had hoped it would um so you know that does lead to a little speculation about what do potter fans want what do they not want i'd love to know how many people have bought gold to see like is that something that is right thing because we've speculated highly that it's a very wrong move and it's just requiring more money of us so it's like what what do we want you know what do we
0: want are we starting to see the bubble kind of burst of of this franchise like have is it so saturated with merchandise and subscriptions and you know just
1: it's so saturated we have we have a whole article that comes out we've had to start like rotating it through because we are getting tons and tons of just merch now and it's like okay we'll just save all this merch and we only cover officially licensed merchandise this is not like your knockoff stuff so all of the official merch we like put in this big article now and there's so much of it people were at like walgreens this week and they found harry potter stuff yeah it's everywhere
0: it is it is um and and it it kind of makes you wonder with it being everywhere how are they how are they losing money or they're, obviously they're not, they're not losing money but it's just like people are not signing up for the things that they want them to sign up they're not playing the things that they want them to play and i feel like as a franchise they're just kind of a little disconnected with the fans like they don't know what the fans want
1: yeah i i agree with that But I'm not sure we know what we want either, so. (laughs) It's
0: (laughs) mutual, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to a couple of announcements this week before we wrap up this week's show. If you're looking for a Harry Potter podcast that goes deep into the books, chapter by chapter, we invite you to check out the podcast that must not be named, where a couple of us have made some appearances on the show um, and it is a lot of fun. It's done by uh, Luke and Melissa and over at the podcast That Network. And gosh, it's just so much fun to listen to. It is, uh, it is is kid-friendly because they record it with their kids in mind. <laughs> um, but overall, it's just something like, I mean, if you want to... I don't ever think we'll do a chapter-by-chapter um, segment on this episode uh, on this show. I, I just I, I don't see that as as the future for us. But you know, if you want a podcast with that kind of substance, definitely check out the podcast that must not be named. And finally, many of you have asked how you can get involved w- with the show or help us out. And believe it or n- believe it or not, leaving a five star review anywhere you listen really helps us out and it lets other people know what you think about the podcast. So anywhere you listen, please give us a five-star review. Let's go ahead and play a game before we get out of here today.
1: That's all right, because I love the way I love the way you lie
0: tell me lies so in this segment we discuss which character would make a noble or or a nasty death eater regardless of their current allegiance the object of the game is to lie but to make enough sense to be believable today's character is queenie what do you guys think friend or foe or or death eater tell me lies
1: this one's not even fair. Because, I know.
0: You
1: know. We don't even have enough information. Could go well, either way. I could be telling lies. We Light, don't even know where she truly lies yeah, right now. Exactly. Nothing's a lie. It's all true.
0: As I, as I was putting the document together this week, I I was like, "Well, who should we play for for Tell Me Lies?" And I was thinking, "Hey, Queenie, because it's going to be such a challenge." Um, Queenie, I think, would make a noble Auror. Um, And I'm going to tell you guys why right now. Because she's doing everything out of love. Everything that she's doing right now. Every single decision that she's making to leave Jacob behind, to join up with Grindelwald is out of love. And she believes that she will succeed in the end. I think there's more truth to that than, than anything <laughs> I was going to go the other way with Death Eater, but I honestly don't know about Queenie anymore.
1: I think Queenie would make a nasty Death Eater because she's like the perfect double agent. She's so sweet, so you'd think she would be this kind-hearted, loving, sweet person, but really, she's just going to trick you into trusting her, and then that's when she's going to turn on you. Well... I think Queenie would make a great or and Death Eater. I think she's a triple agent. She only works for herself. She can play literally anybody. She's the most skilled legilimens or aquamens or whatever it is that she is in the world. She's so smart. She's so sweet, but she's very cunning, very conniving. She can play the game on that side and on that side and back on that side again. Triple agent, quadruple agent, Queenie for president
0: death order <laughs> <laughs> nice well well done everybody and listening Into the Mirror returns to the show next episode as we start to dive into Fantastic Beast characters and for those of you that are not familiar with Into the Mirror um, that's where we discuss what a particular character would see in the Mirror of said. So we're going to be returning to that and a lot more Fantastic Beasts discussion as pre-production starts to ramp up and it's an exciting time to be a Fantastic Beast, a Harry Potter fan, a Wizarding World fan, even a Cursed Child fan. If you're just, you know, a part two Cursed Child fan, what up? Part two? Part two. Uh, Like, have you seen Sorceress? No, no, no. But part two of Cursed Child. Jesus Christ, that blew my mind. (laughs) Well, that's all we have for you this week thank you for tuning in once again i'm terrence pinkston i'm bailey riddle
1: and i'm never gonna give you up
0: and we'll be back <laughs> next time for episode 257 bye-bye
1: that was bloody brilliant
0: Cards what